Psalms 56. I'd like to begin reading in uh, verse number 1. We're going to read the entire psalm. Uh, we're really only going to be in a couple of verses, but sometimes I've got to read a few verses to get my courage up to preach. Amen. Psalms 56, verse number 1 says, Be merciful unto me, O God, for man would swallow me up. He fighting daily oppresseth me. Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. In God I will praise his word. In God I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. Every day they rest my words. All their thoughts against, are against me for evil. They gather themselves together. They hide themselves. They mark my steps when they wait for my soul. Shall they escape by iniquity? In thine anger cast down the people, O God. Thou tellest my wanderings. Put thou my tears into thy bottle. Are they not in thy book? When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, for God is for me. In God will I praise his word. In the Lord will I praise his word. In God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Now let's read verses 12 and 13 once more, and then we'll pray. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt thou not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Father, I thank you for the time that you have given us tonight. I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, through the power of the Holy Ghost, empower and embolden the preaching of your word. I pray that your spirit would have liberty tonight to work in the hearts of those that are under the sound of my voice. Lord, we know that the only difference between uh, something being done and nothing being done tonight is our willingness to hear your word and to heed the truth of it. So I pray that our hearts would be consecrated unto you over these next few moments and that our ears would be consecrated unto the hearing of your word. Lord, we love you and we thank you for it. And we ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I'm interested tonight in what the psalmist says in verses 12 and 13, and particularly in verse number 13. Now, we'll read both of them, but I want to give a little emphasis in verse 13. The psalmist says, Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Now, I want you to notice the next phrase. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Now, you know, when I read these verses tonight, immediately it is brought to my mind the idea of our walk before God. After all, that's what the psalmist is talking about. He, he has a desire to be able to walk before God in an appropriate way. And, you know, I began to think about my life, my Christian walk, my experience, and I would venture to say it's probably somewhat similar to yours. You know, it seems for those of us that are trying to live for the Lord, like we'll get going for a, a pretty good little while. Everything will be going well. We're reading our Bible. We're praying. We're going to church. Our spirit is encouraged. Our, our witness is bold. But then all of a sudden, something will come along and trip us up. Some circumstance of life, some opportunity to sin, maybe some sort of uh, discouragement or trial that we experience, and all of a sudden, it seems like we've been going good for so long, we find ourselves in the gutter. 
We find ourselves not behaving the way we ought to. We find ourselves not living in a way that glorifies the Lord. You see, I think really what the psalmist is saying here is he's saying, Lord, I want to walk for you, and as I walk for you, I want you to keep me from getting tripped up by the things that so often trip me up. Now, you might have certain things in your life, a besetting sin, as the old-timers would call it, that it seems like as you try to run your race, you struggle with over and over again. Or you might be like some, that it's something different every time, and it's difficult to target what it is. It might be that you're one of those, uh, what we might call fair-weather Christians, that everything's going good, and you're serving God. Or you might be one of those foul-weather Christians, uh, that uh, when things are going good, you forget about God. But I would uh, venture to say that every one of us, has times in our life and things in our life that seem to trip us up and keep us from walking consistently for the Lord Jesus Christ. I would say this tonight, that consistency is one of the rarest things on this planet. Uh, It's not difficult for things to go well for a little while. It's not difficult to serve God for a little while. It's not tough to stand for the Lord for a little while. But the thing that seems to be so hard to find is someone that will be the same ten years from now as they are today when it comes to faithfulness. The person that you don't have to worry where they're going to be in three weeks. Uh, Listen, you know, as a pastor, you see and meet all sorts of people. And I could take you, I could show you sitting uh, in my desk at home a stack of uh, cards, visitor cards, probably that tall, just of people that have visited our church since I have begun pastoring. Now, some of those people have come and they're from out of town. They never came back again. Some of them have come and the God has led them elsewhere. But a good majority of them, I bet you I could show you, are people that came, that joined, that got in, that seemed to be going well, and then all of a sudden, like Eutychus, they fell out all in one day. You see, it wasn't hard for a little while, but to sustain their walk with the Lord, they found elusive. You know, as I began to think about this idea of consistency, and I've been blessed with some consistent people in my life. Consistency is something you can only teach another person by your example. You can tell someone that it's important to be consistent. You can preach to them to be consistent. But uh, very often people will not get it unless they see consistency in your life. I've been blessed with some people that have taught me consistency. And I began to think about this idea of consistency. I jotted down three thoughts just for our introduction about this idea of consistency. Let me say, number one, that consistency is valuable. It is rare to find someone that is consistent in their walk with the Lord. You say, well, preacher, I don't know about that. I know a lot of good people. Well, listen to what Solomon wrote in the book of Proverbs, verse 20, chapter 20 and verse 8. He said this, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. In other words, what he's saying is this, what people say about themselves is always good. Now, I've met a few people that seem to always be down on themselves and seem to always, whatever you want to call it, that I think probably self-esteem problems are the most over-diagnosed thing in the world. Somebody say amen to that. Our problem today is not that we've got uh, too little self-esteem. Oftentimes, it's that we esteem ourselves too much. Uh, the Bible says no man ever yet hated his own flesh. Amen. The problem oftentimes is not that we love ourselves too little, it's that we love ourselves too much. And Solomon says, as I observe it, hey, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness. Most men, if you ask them what their opinion is of themselves, they're going to cherry pick things and they're going to give you the best appearance. But now listen to what he says, but a faithful man who can find. In other words, not just somebody that talks it, but somebody that walks it. 
Not just somebody that knows how to present themselves in a moment in a good light, but someone whose life you can examine and see a pattern of dedication and faithfulness to the Lord. He says, hey, that's difficult to find. Uh, I, we live in a day today when it seems like everything is uh, always just, I, don't, I, don't, I almost don't even know how to say it. Maybe that's caffeine, amen. But uh, we live in a day where it seems like everything's just always at polar opposites. People are up and then they're down, amen. Uh, you can look, I don't know if you ever spend time on Facebook. If you don't, I'd advise you to not, amen. I do, but uh, it, it sure ain't an edifying thing in my life. But uh, if you were to look on there, man, you'd find, I mean, people one day, man, they love God. They're dedicated to God. They're going to live for the Lord. They're going to take on hell with a water pistol, amen. I mean, they're just going to absolutely be the best Christian walking there. Next thing you know, you see them and their life is falling apart. And then a month later, you see them and they're up again. And man, everything's great and they're going to live for the Lord and they're going to get it straightened out this time. It's going to be different this time. They're going to get rid of this this time or that this time. And then next time you see them, they're right back in the same old rut once again. See, the truth is, consistency is a hard thing to find. Uh, you know, this is true for our church like it is for every church. Uh, if you ever got everybody that attends here at one time, we wouldn't have enough chairs on the property to seat them. Right? That's the reason. I don't know what it is. I don't know if y'all get together and assign shifts behind my back or what, but it seems like you never get everybody in one place at one time. We'll have a, a week, and, and that's my encouragement. People have been saying, man, preacher, it looks like the church is growing. You got people. And I say, hey, wait till everybody shows back up. Amen? Because it's difficult to find consistency. Consistency is a valuable thing. You give me, if I could pick attributes in, in Christians, and we all know you can't do it, but if I could do that at the top of my list, pretty near the top anyways, would be consistency. Uh, listen, uh, you know what God said? I'd rather you were hot or cold, but you're lukewarm. Uh, in other words, and you know what lukewarm is, right? Lukewarm is a mixture of hot and cold. Uh, he's not saying just that you're apathetic. He's saying that you're inconsistent. One second everything's fine, the next is falling apart. Consistency is a valuable thing. Let me say number two, that consistency is a vital thing. And I jotted down this thought. You can do everything right, but if you only do it occasionally, you won't get very much done. You can do everything right, but if you only do it occasionally, then you're not going to get very much done. You know how people tend to read their Bibles? I'm just going to I'm tell it on everybody, okay? You know how people tend to read their Bible? They get convicted because they ain't been reading their Bible. They sit down and try to read 35 chapters in one night, fall asleep on their Bible, wake up the next day and don't touch it for another month. You know, the truth is, and I think, listen, if you can read 35 chapters every day, God bless you, you'll be the better for it. But I think if you could just read one or two chapters a day consistently, you get more done than this roller coaster Christianity that we find today. Uh, part of the problem is we think we allow, we compare ourselves with other people. That's part of our problem. You know, the Bible says when you do that, you become unwise. Comparing themselves amongst themselves, they became unwise. And we see somebody else living in a certain status or stature, and we think, well, that's what I have to be. Uh, no, the truth is, and we learn this from a young age, right? It's the turtle that wins the race, not the hare. If we just get get in the Word of God and be faithful and consistent, you don't listen. You don't have to memorize fifteen chapters. If you'll get in there and memorize fifteen words, it'd change your life. If you'll do it consistently, you see, consistency is a vital thing. You might be the greatest Christian in the world today, but you're just going to wreck your testimony if you throw all that away tomorrow. And then the next day, you're the greatest Christian, and then the next day, everything's a mess. Consistency is vital if we're going to serve God. Let me say number three that consistency is victory. They say, preacher, what do you mean by that? Consistency is victory. Well, 
as I was studying this, there was a verse that kept popping into my mind. I couldn't get out of my, my head, and it was Ecclesiastes 12.13. Now, we, at 12.13 at, at in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, you're at the end, all right? There ain't much left after that. And uh, Solomon has been spending years pursuing the enjoyment and pleasures of flesh and trying to find satisfaction in himself. And he has looked around and he has examined the world and he has observed human beings. He has observed the motions of the human experience. And listen to what he says. He says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Everything for 12 chapters I've been talking about. Let's hear what it boils down to. He says, fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. In other words, listen, you don't have to conquer the world. If you'll just be the same Christian today or tomorrow that you are today and the day after that you are today, if you'll just get to a level of faithfulness with God and stay consistent, then I believe that'd be the will of God for your life and mine. The reality is this. God can talk to us when we're in His will. But it's not as easy for God to talk to us when we're out of His will. Now, you say, wait a minute, preacher, what does that have to do? Well, here, let me explain it to you. It's not the will of God for us to be inconsistent, right? That's not the will of God for us to be inconsistent. Now, for some people, it might be the will of God for them to be a great preacher or missionary or or a Sunday school teacher. We don't know. But we know it's the will of God for us to be consistent. So here's the thing. Don't worry about being called to lofty heights. If you're just being faithful to God where He's put you, and if it's time to level up, if that's what we want to call it, He knows where to find you, and He knows how to speak to you. We want to be appreciated. We want to be lauded. We want to have prominence. All God wants is faithfulness. For us to just be consistent in the way that we walk. Now, as I looked at what the psalmist said here, I noticed three things that relate to this idea of consistency. And I want you to note them with me tonight. The first thing he says, look at verse number 12. He says, Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Let me say that the first thing we see is the premise for consistency. Why should we be consistent in the way that we live in the way that we behave. What is it that calls us to a place of consistency? Can I ask you a hard question tonight? Would you listen carefully to what I'm about to ask you? Is God worth our consistency? Is He worth our consistency? I think most of us would be very quick to say, of course, preacher, of course He is. And yet oftentimes we don't offer that level of consistency that He needs. I see three things in here, three reasons why we should be consistent. Notice, number one, the guarantees that He's given us. Notice this language in verse 12. Thy vows are upon me, O God. Now, when we think of a vow, what are we talking about? We're talking about a promise or a commitment. I noticed when I studied through and read some of the commentators that they tried to say that when it says the vows are thy vows are upon me, O God, that it was saying that the vows that we should make to the Lord are upon God or whatever it might be. But I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's saying this, Lord, you have made some vows unto me. I have access to your promises. And I would say this, the psalmist is saying, because I have access to God's promises, I have a reason to be consistent in my life. I was reminded of uh, what uh, Peter said uh, when he said that uh, by, by God is given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, uh, whereby we are made partakers of the divine nature. Paul said it this way, that God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life 
and godliness. And here's the truth you need to understand. If God has called you to consistency, then He through His promises has fulfilled everything that we need to be consistent. If we're not consistent, it's nobody's fault but our own. Nobody can make us be faithful, but nobody can stop us from being faithful. You decide how consistent your life gets to be. Listen, if you decide you're not going to read your Bible for the next month, that's on you. You've decided that. Uh, if I decide I'm not going to pray for the next month, that's not on you. That's on me. I've made that decision. And it's not that I don't have the wherewithal to be faithful to God. It's that I've chosen to not be faithful to Him. God has given everything to us through His promises that we need. Uh, listen, uh, beyond the fact that just because He's been so good to us in giving us promises, I mean, if for nothing else, you look at the promises of God, all that He has told us He would do for us, that ought to motivate us. But not only should we be motivated by it, through those promises, He has enabled us to be faithful unto Him. There's nobody in this room that can't be faithful. There's nobody in this room that can't be consistent. Now listen, I know this is a Wednesday night crowd. I understand that. Uh, you're, you may be sitting there thinking, well, preacher, the Sunday morning crowd is the one that needs this type of message. No, I'll be honest with you, the Sunday morning crowd won't listen to it. Uh, they might sit, they might amen, they might, but I trust by you being here tonight on a Wednesday night when you could be anywhere else in the world, that means you have some understanding of the importance of dedication and consistency. And I want to exhort you to that walk because the Lord is worth it. And His promises have enabled us to be consistent. Let me say number two, not only the guarantees that He's given us, but I would say because of the gladness that He's given us, we ought to be consistent. Notice what the psalmist says, I will render praises unto thee. Now remember, all these statements, they're, they're connected. We're breaking them apart. We're looking at them separately. But read it carefully. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. What the psalmist is saying is, Lord, you've been so good to me. You've made so many promises to me. You've been so gracious to me. And because of that, I will render praises unto thee. I would say this, because of the joy that he's given you and I, we ought to be consistent. Do you realize that you'll never wake up a day of your life and the Lord not be faithful? There'll never be a day of your life. There may be days when you wake up and you don't feel good, but there'll never be a day that you wake up that He won't be good. We always have a reason to praise Him. We always have a reason to shout. We've always got a song, be it a song during the day or a song in the night. And because of that, I believe He's worthy of our consistency. There'll always be a reason to go to church. There will always be a reason to read our Bible. There will always be a reason to pray. And what I mean by that reason is, I mean, listen, if we had what we deserved, we'd be in hell tonight. But God has been gracious to us. And that brings me to a third thing. Not only the guarantees He's given us and the gladness He's given us, but I see the grace that He's given us as a good reason that we ought to be consistent. Notice what it says, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Do you realize, and I understand, you know, the Bible says we're to do all things under the glory of God. And I don't believe that means that every single hour of every day, every waking moment, we need necessarily be in the church house or have to be witnessing or have to be praying or have to be reading our Bible. I don't, not only do I think that is just not logical, but I don't see that pattern in Scripture. I see that men of God in Scripture, they lived their lives, they went about their daily business, but they were yielded to the Lord day in and day out as He would use them for His glory. But let me just say this, any moment that we spend being inconsistent is a moment that we've robbed from Calvary. If we had what we deserve, you understand that in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. Uh, Paul said we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that if we had what we deserved, we'd be in hell right now. 
The only reason you and I draw a breath, the psalmist said, I will both lay me down and sleep and arise, for the Lord watcheth over me. The only reason that we open our eyes in the morning is because the Lord has watched over us. The only reason our lungs draw in a breath is the Lord allows it. The only reason our legs ever take a step is because the Lord has allowed it. The only time that our brain ever has a thought run through it, which for some of us is rare, is a time when the Lord has allowed that to happen. See, the reality is this. Then when we turn around and we're not consistent in our walk with the Lord, we're robbing that breath from Calvary. We're robbing that step from Calvary. We're robbing that thought from Calvary. And I'm not saying that you have to sit like a monk in a, in a, in a, a monastery and, and hum and whatever, all kinds of nonsense, but I'm saying this, to be inconsistent is to rob the life that Christ has given us and to squander it on things lower than what Calvary was for. I think because of the grace He's given us. So I see a premise. I mean, there's a reasonable uh, logic here as to why we should be consistent. But now somebody's going to say, you might not say it out loud, but you're going to say it in your heart, well, preacher, that's good and everything. I'd love to be consistent. I try to be consistent. You know, that's the funny thing about it. The thing that you may, you may want discipline, but the thing you need to get discipline is discipline. Amen? And uh, we want consistency, but we might say, Preacher, I try, but I'm like the Apostle Paul. I, I, you know, I, I, I try to do what's good, but I, somehow I can't find it. Preacher, that's good. I want to be consistent, but how can I be consistent? Well, I want you to notice this plea for consistency in verse number 13. Now, he said, For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Now he asks this question. He says, Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? Now, there's a few very important truths that I want you to notice here. Number one, I want you to notice that there is a danger that is revealed. The psalmist says, if you don't help me, Lord, my feet are going to fall. There is a very present danger of not serving the Lord. If you don't believe that, look around any church. You could look around ours, but you could look around any church and see that there's always some folks dedicated, consistent, faithful. I mean, listen, there's some folks, I'll be honest with you, there's some folks. I'll give you an example. Uh, Miss Jean wasn't able to be at church this past week. She is sick. And uh, I don't want to glorify any person. We're here to glorify the Lord. But I knew when Miss Jean was not here that something was not right. She had sent me a message to say, Preacher, I'm not feeling well. Please pray for me. But by the time I got to see that message, uh, it was after church and I knew when Miss Jean was not here, I knew that something had happened. I, 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 was, uh, I immediately looked at it. Of course, I got my answer. But there's certain people, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. There's certain people that when they don't show up, I don't go call them the hospitals in the morgue. Right? I mean, you know that. I know that, right? Let me tell one on me. I have a tendency to be a little bit late sometimes, right? Occasionally. And... Um, it ain't bad in the evenings, amen. It's just that morning. I don't know why. It's, it's a morning affliction, but uh, occasionally I'll, I'll be running late. This past Sunday morning, I, I was... You ever have one of them moments where you feel like reality itself is battling you? That was how Sunday morning was for me. And I actually, my little boy was sick, and so uh, his mama and him stayed home. And, and I, I thought to myself, because you know how us men are, it's always the ladies are the reason we're late, right? It's always their fault, you know. It's never us. It's always them. So I was thinking, I thought, man, it's going to be good. I'm going to get out of here on time. I'm going to be able to get there early, shake everybody's hands and everything. And uh, I don't know what happened. It's like the whole world sped their clocks up about ten minutes. And I found myself pressed for time. And uh, I, I had to go pick someone up and bring them to church and everything. And, and I wound up about five minutes late. 
Well, would you believe it? My Sunday school class had not sent out the first search party. Not one. My face was not on a single milk carton. It hurt my feelings. Now, the reality is there's some folks that you expect it out of. There's some folks you don't expect it out of. And, you know, the reality is this, that you can look around the average church and realize there is a danger of us falling away from the Lord. There's no danger of us losing our salvation. We understand that. We, we believe the Lord has saved us eternally and securely. But there's no question there is a danger of getting out, of not serving the Lord today as we served Him yesterday, or not serving Him today as we did a year ago. And I believe that is a good question for us to occasionally ask ourselves. Am I serving God as consistently today? Here's the problem. We always try to say, am I serving God more today? And, and it may be true. God may call you to a greater capacity of service, but that's not even what I'm asking. I'm asking, are you as faithful today as you were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, whatever it might be? The reality is this, there is a danger. And the psalmist asks this because there is a danger. And the sooner that we swallow our pride, mortify our flesh, humble our pride, and realize that it could happen to us, just like it could happen to anybody else, the sooner we'll be able to combat that danger. We see a danger is revealed. I notice that a desire is related. Now, this is a rhetorical question, okay, that he's asking here. He he is not necessarily expecting God to answer this because he already knows God's answer. Let's read it back from verse number 12. I think you'll see what I mean. He says, Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling? So what he's saying is this, God... If you would go to such great lengths as to deliver my soul from death, then surely you would deliver my feet from falling. Or we might say it this way, Lord, if you saved me, surely you have a plan for my life, right? Surely, Lord, if you saved me, if you bankrupted heaven, if you, uh, if you broke the chains of death and of hell, if you paid my sin debt, if you did all this, then Lord, surely you'll help me to walk more faithfully. What he's saying is this, God, I believe that it's your desire that I walk consistently. I believe it's your desire. So what do we find? Just based on what we've already read, we find there is a danger of us falling, of us not serving. Hey, there's no guarantee you're going to be doing what you're doing now, ten years from now. There's no guarantee. There's no guarantee that a month from now you're going to be as faithful as you are today. I promise you that uh, if the Lord tarries His coming, that in ten years there'll be people that are sitting here tonight that won't be sitting here. I don't mean people the Lord has took home or people that are bedfast, but I mean just statistically speaking, just folks that just got out. Folks that just got out. So there is a danger related, but we notice a desire or a danger revealed. We notice a desire is related. We know it's the will of God that we be consistent. So what's the key? What's the key? Preacher, I want to be consistent. How can I be consistent? Here's how. I want you to notice that there is a dependence that's required. He does not say, Lord, I will keep my feet from falling. Lord, I will determine that my feet won't fall. You know, you know why? Because inevitably, even though the person that's walking may not be being cautious as to where they place their step, the act of falling is an accident in and of itself. Did you hear what I said? Let me say that again. Even though that it may be the carelessness of the person walking that causes them to fall, the act of falling is an accident in and of itself. That means you don't plan to get out. But that don't mean just because you haven't planned to get out that you won't get out. What's the difference? A dependence is required. Lord, I can't do it. You have to do it. Lord, I can't do it. You have to do it. You know how you do it? You do it by consecrating each footstep to Him. 
each footstep. We want to we want to give the next mile to the Lord. That's good. God bless you. But that ain't going to be no good if you keep falling and it takes you a hundred years to get there. Here's what you have to do. Lord, I'll give you my next step. Lord, let me put it in practice. Lord, I'll give you tomorrow. Lord, I'll give you the day after that. You see, the truth is this. God's genius. You know that? We, sometimes we underestimate just how smart God is. I know that sounds silly to say, but we really do. You know that God knows that we live this life a day at a time. Right? It's very rarely you hear anybody say, I don't know what I'm going to do next hour. But you often hear people say, I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow, Brother Al. It's very rare that you hear people say, well, next hour I have these plans. But often you'll hear people say, tomorrow this is what I plan on doing. Occasionally you might hear people say next month or next year. But the reality is this, we live this life one day at a time. One day at a time. So here's what you have to do. Commit your life one day at a time to the Lord. You say, preacher, what's chapter and verse? I'll give you what Paul said. He said, I die daily. Daily. It, listen, there ain't no, we live in a country where we do everything in bulk, right? That's the reason we're in bulk. Amen? Is we do everything in bulk. I, you know, I, I remember talking one time to, uh, to our missionaries to England, to Natalie and Jonathan. And I was asking Natalie, uh, I said, you know, what, what are you going to miss? This was before they went back for, for their uh, long-term time on the field. I, and, of course, she was raised in England. And I asked her, I said, Natalie, what are you going to miss the most about America? And she said, the freezers. I said, the freezers? She said, oh, yes, I'm going to miss the refrigerators and the freezers. I said, why is that? And she said, well, this is why. Because over there, you just have a little bitty icebox. And you go to the store every single day, and you get your food. This whole thing of having deep freezers and, you know, the garage refrigerator. How many of y'all have a garage refrigerator? Anybody or freezer? Okay. That whole thing, that don't, that, it ain't like that over there. They don't even have garages. You pray for them. But, of course, their cars, they can park, like, on the front porch, so it don't matter. But over there, you see, they don't do that. They go every day for the same thing. It, it is a particularly American mindset. And I'm not going to say people don't buy in bulk all across the world. They do. But it is a particularly American concept, this thing, of going down to the Costco or to the Sam's and buying a month's worth of groceries at one time. I'm guilty. I'm just as guilty. Brother Al, Miss Kathy gave me a little five cubic foot freezer uh, there at the house. It didn't take long. I filled that up. I went and bought me a big like 15 cubic foot. And, I, and I'm trying to find out a place to buy and put another freezer at the house. My wife won't let me. We want to do our Christianity that way. We want to go to church and fill up for the week. That's how we want to live our Christian life. Well, we'll just go to church and get filled up and the preacher will preach and we'll praise the Lord and it'll be all good. And then we'll be back next week, same time, same place. I got news for you, neighbor. It doesn't work that way. You know what the Lord said when the disciples said, teach us to pray? He said, pray after this manner. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. The only way you're going to become consistent is by coming to the Lord daily to ask for daily bread. That's the only way. As long as you're trying to one week it at a time or one month it at a time or one year it at a time, you're never going to be consistent. You have to give every single day to the Lord if you're going to be consistent. But after all, that's really all this life is, isn't it? A whole bunch of days that we spend on this earth. I see this plea for consistency in verse number 13. Finally, and I want to just share this with you and I'll be done. I'll be quick. Look at the end of verse number 13. Why does he want to do this? Why is he asking God for this? He says, Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling that? This is why. That I may walk before God in the light of the living. 
He says, Lord, the reason I'm coming to you, the reason I'm begging you, the reason I'm dependent on you is because I want one thing. I want to walk before you in the light of the living. I see the purpose for consistency. What does it achieve in our life? And I'd like you to notice, number one, there's one main reason. This is why we walk. Look what he says. He says, walk before God. You know, part of the reason we struggle with consistency is we forget who we're walking for in the first place. See, the truth is, if you believe that your Christian walk is defined by your church life, then you're at the most going to be consistent two days a week. Maybe three if you come to another ministry. But you've got to remember that the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are upon every man, upon the righteous, upon the evil. He's beholding all the time. You see, if we're living, and it's a good indication, I want you to listen carefully. If the, if, if the sum total of our spiritual life is contained within the official church meetings, then you can believe that probably you have a greater appreciation for man's opinion than you do for God's opinion. If the only time you pray is at church, then evidently you care more about what men think about your prayer than what God thinks about it. If the only time you read your Bible is at church, then evidently you care more about what man thinks of your walk with the Word of God than what God thinks about it. Now, listen, I know that's tough, but it's truth. It's truth. If we really cared what God thought, it'd drive us to more consistency. Now, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. I know that I sure ain't perfect. But I know this, the more that I understand that it's God I'm trying to please, not men, and that God is aware all the time of my actions, the more apt I am to be consistent. I see, first off, why we walk. But then I want you to notice there's a second reason, and that's when we walk. Notice this language. He says that I may walk before God in the light of the living. This same language is found in Job chapter 33 and verse 30. And what this phrase means, the light of the living, is essentially meaning while it's lifetime. While I'm living. You find similar language in Psalms 27 and a number of other places when uh, the psalmist said, uh, I had fainted unless I had hoped to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And it sort of has the same connotation. What he's saying is this, I want to walk before God while I'm alive. You know why we should be consistent? Because every day we have less time to serve the Lord than we did the day before. Don't play fast and loose with time. Let me tell you, there's people in this room that can testify to how quickly time goes. It don't take long before you're old. Amen? And you can't do the things that you used to do. And uh, listen, we, we live, and let me say this to young people in particular. If you think you're young, you're included in this. Amen? Whoever it is. Let me say this to young people. We're at a time right now our mind is sharp enough to memorize the Word of God. We're at a time right now our health is good enough to go for the Lord, to serve the Lord, to work for the Lord. We're living in a time now when oftentimes our boldness in life is such that we'll take risks in serving the Lord that we may not have the liberty and convenience to do in an older age. I'm saying this, the sand is falling through the hourglass. The hand is moving around the clock. The calendar days are falling away. We better serve God now while we have time to do so i got news for you. You can't wake up when you're 70 and decide you want to be consistent for the Lord. You can decide that from that point on you can be. But you can't do a thing about the first 69 years of your life. If you want to have a consistent walk for God, you've got to start wherever you're at. Now, if you're here and if you're 70 or 80 or 90 or 100 or 150, however much time that you have the Lord, I hope you commit it to be consistent. But let me just say this, that's good that you that are older in years might commit it, but uh, let me just warn young people 
that it's a lot better to live for the Lord for 40 years than it is for 30 years or for 20 years or for 10 years. Time is a precious commodity. And so I think the psalmist is saying right now is when I want to be consistent. We, as young people, we have a bad habit of thinking things are going to change at some point. We have a bad habit of thinking that it's just we're going to wake up one day, it's going to be easier to serve God. i got news for you, it only gets tougher. Uh, listen, I, when I was a young person, there were things that I thought, well, one day it'll be easier. Uh, and, and let me just give you a little illustration. Here's how young people think. They think, one of these days I get out of high school, I'll have, I can do whatever I want with my time, I'll start serving God then. You get out of high school, you go to college or you go to work, amen, one of the two, it ought to be anyways, and uh, you say, well, I, I, one of these days when I get out of college and I'm in my field, I'm going to have a lot more time really to start uh, you know, living for the Lord and serving Him. And then what happens? You get out of college, you get married, you start having kids. You say, well, one of these days when these kids are grown, then I'll have time to start serving God. But i got news for you. About the time they're gone, you ain't got no more money left and you ain't got no more energy left. And then you say to yourself, well, here I am, 50, 60, 70 years old. And that day when it was supposed to get easier never came. Truth is, we've got to make our mind up right now because of when we walk. Let me give you a final thing and I'm done. Not only this is why we walk before the Lord is why we're doing it. And when we walk, we're walking in the light of the living. But I think there's also another connotation by this phrase when he says in the light of the living. And this is why I think it reflects more than just in the land of the living. When it says in the light of the living, I believe it carries also the connotation of where we walk. See, the truth is this. He's saying there's living people all around me. And they're watching the way that I'm behaving. Has it ever dawned on you to ask yourself this question? Who am I derailing through my inconsistency? I I hate to say this, but it's probably true for times in my life. There's probably been times in my life that people have said, that Toby Weber, if that's what a Christian is, I'm not interested in it. You know, here's the truth. Most people see you for a glimpse of time, right? Now, your spouse, your children, your family, they might spend considerably more time around you. But most people in your life see you for a glimpse of time. What are they going to see in that glimpse? Are they going to catch you when you're up and serving the Lord and excited and God's good and you're, you're serving Him and you're dedicated? Or are they going to catch you when you're down and you're not interested in the things of God and you're not interested in the Word of God? That's the danger that is inherent to this life of inconsistency. Is that we could be a fairly good Christian and still, still represent poorly the Lord Jesus Christ with our testimony. See, the truth is there's people all around watching us. What are they seeing? What are they seeing? Most people won't watch you over 20 years. Most people will only see you for about 20 minutes. So if we're not being consistent, what are they seeing in the way that we live, the way that we behave? There's been times, I don't know if you're like this, I get in the flesh sometimes, and uh, there's been times I've had to go back and apologize to people. I was telling a story back of this where we was at a restaurant and, and they, man, they, I won't tell the whole story. I don't have time to. But they'd messed everything. If there was anything to mess up, they, they could mess it up. I mean, it was a barbecue restaurant. Short of bringing me like boiled fish, they did everything else wrong that could possibly be done. Amen. And uh, they, I lost my temper. And I wasn't ugly or rude necessarily, but I, but I, I was irritated, visibly irritated. And, um, you know, I, I could tell the, the lady, I, I was sort of, you know, well, what are you going to do to fix this? Well, how are you going to make this right? Well, this is and this and that and blah, blah. You know, that old flesh, he sounds awful when he talks. And afterwards, I 
the Lord convicted me. I went back to that lady and I said, listen, I need to apologize. I come in here, I was angry and hungry and everything, but that's no way for a Christian to act. I apologize because we've been, it was on Sunday. We've been out at church. You know we're in church clothes. You know I'm a Christian. And, and uh, you know, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have behaved and acted that way. You know, the thing that I realized in that moment was this. This may be the only opportunity she ever gets to see what Toby Weber's Christianity can do in a person's life. If I've walked out that door with leaving that as my testimony, then that one day, if that lady was to die without Christ at the great white throne judgment, I would not want it to fall from her lips. Well, I saw a preacher one time, and this is how he acted. See, that's where consistency can't be replaced. If we're not consistent, we're going to leave a bad testimony in the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't just be consistent part of the time or it's not consistency. We have to commit ourselves daily to a walk with the Lord. Let's bow our heads together.